listening to Pawnee Public Radio. With your hosts, Hannah and Will. Oh, hey there. Welcome to Pawnee Public Radio. It's Will from before, from the first five episodes. Hey, it's, Hannah. It's Hannah, the same <laughs> Hannah from before. If we mention another Hannah, it's still me. Yeah. Lots of different people. Same two names. Uh, we Let's take just a moment to celebrate season one. Yeah. We made it. We all made it. <laughs> this is it. This is the last episode of a really long six-episode season of Parks and Rec. People, you know, people were are so mean they about didn't season think one. We could do it. They were like, you're never gonna get through that first season. But here we are. Yeah. How I'm, do you feel? Do you feel different than when we started? I feel different. I mean, I started, I when I started Pony Public Radio, I couldn't even get through an episode without taking a break, you know, lying down, taking a little breather. But now, the sixth episode, I mean, I can watch, I'll be honest, I can watch like one to three back to back. I can just pound out the episodes now and still only talk about one of them. (laughs) That's great. It's hard. People keep messaging me saying that they've binged ahead. And I I understand that, that they're like, you you know, I wanted to watch. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I may have done that as well. You know, it's hard. We ask you to watch, you know, each episode of this podcast lines up with one episode of Parks and Rec. We discuss Mm. it and then we chat about our lives. We make jokes and things of that nature, but it's hard not to watch ahead. Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine watching a single episode of TV once a week. Thank goodness they never did it that way. Can you imagine? By now, you know we have a special guest on this podcast. Uh, if you're a new listener, welcome. We are thrilled that our special guest was able to pull you into our little world. If you're an old listener, thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoy who we chose as our first guest appearance. Can we can we say can we say your name? Can we say it at the same time? Our first guest is Katie Hill. I hope I hope that's <laughs> felt like an exciting announcement right there. Um, I think that's the right amount of yeah. that's the right amount of a little bit of misdirection, a little bit of fun. Um, yeah. She was great. It was so fun to talk to her. She watched an episode of Parks and Rec. She watched this episode of Parks and Rec, episode six, season one rock show. She watched it uh, to prep for this. We thought it would be really cool to have someone who uh, has some government experience, has some uh, same experiences that maybe Leslie Nope has throughout the show. Uh, We just thought it would be the perfect fit. Yeah, it was such a treat. She was super generous with her time. It was so fun to talk to her about goofy stuff and serious stuff and i i i love talking to her and i think you're gonna love listening to us love talking to her <laughs> yeah i mean i met her a couple of years ago when she was um running for congress i canvassed for mm-hmm. her and she tweeted out that she had a podcast coming out and i asked if she would be down to come on Pawnee public radio and she was and from that twitter interaction we got the ball rolling and it so the- rolled into today's episode. <laughs> <laughs> One of our big takeaways from the conversation you'll hear is that the internet isn't all bad. <laughs> it's a it's, big a big lesson. Is it, it isn't all bad, but she maybe gives me some advice on how to make the bad parts less important. She was great. <laughs> We're so happy to have her. 
Before we, I almost said reveal the interview behind the curtain as if there's a curtain we're pulling open and that's where the interview is. Uh, (laughs) We thought we would just give you a quick refresher, as we always do, on what happened in the episode. For those that are new, we both studied TV writing and film, so we usually go over the A story and the B story. And for the old listeners, y'all are pros. You're ready for this. Uh, So this episode was called Rock Show. It's season one, episode six, the final episode of season one. But season two is 22 episodes in comparison to season one, just to be clear. I'm I'm really excited. I'll be honest, too. I I have skipped ahead a little bit and have started watching season two. And it's it's such a treat already. And I'm really excited. I'm really I'm excited to talk about that one. But one episode at a time. So go on. One episode at a time. In this A story of season one, uh, episode six, Andy Dwyer is throwing a rock show for his band, Scarecrow Boat, very mm-hmm. quickly changed to Mouse Rat, which it will be known throughout the rest of the series. Yeah. Uh, he's throwing this big show because he's Formerly finally- Andy in the D-bags, right? And just the tip. Lots of mm-hmm. different names. Uh, he's throwing this show because he's finally getting his double casts off. He's had casts on both legs. The whole time we've been watching season one, uh, he gets his casts off and throws this show. The twist is that he could have gotten his casts off two weeks ago, but enjoyed Anne waiting on him hand and foot while he had, I almost said he had no feet, but he had mm-hmm. feet the whole time. Hand um, and feet, really. Hand and feet. Both of them. Yeah. Um And so Anne decides to kick him out at the end of the episode. Because she's so angry when she finds out that he could have been uncasted long before. So that's the main A story, is the rock show he throws and Anne being mad at him. Mm-hmm. You want to hit us with that baby B? I'll ever so gently. The B story, we follow... Be gentle. We follow Leslie. <laughs> we follow <laughs> Leslie on, on a date, um, which she thinks is, is a work meeting. She thinks it's work. She thinks that it's work related. Her mom set her up on this like business thing, but really it's a date with an older gentleman who continues increasingly to show his age over the course of the episode. Um, how does the date go, Hannah? You've been on dates. What's your take? It goes about as well as any dates I go on. So poorly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Leslie goes on this date. It's horrible. She ends up trying to escape and go to the rock show, but the date like follows her there, which I think is sort of the worst part is not only does she end up on this embarrassing date, but then she brings this very old man to the rock show where all her friends realize she's on this accidental date. Mm -hmm. Uh, The friend that's there to comfort her is none other than Mark Brandanowitz, who both hits on Anne this episode and then tries to kiss Leslie at the end. When Leslie's in a bad mood, and then Mark finally gets what he deserves at the end of this episode when he falls into the pit after getting rejected. After, I will say, one of the worst lines yeah. he said so far, where Leslie says no, she doesn't want to kiss him, and he goes, it's not that big a deal. Finally, Leslie sees the light, says no, and he <laughs> goes tumbling into a pit. Unfortunately, he doesn't die. So we will see him again for season far, two. I mean... As far as we know. As far as For we know, that's true. people who are watching along with us, last, may be dead. last thing we see him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the story. We wanted to, you know, give you the give you the little story. There are some little sea stories as well. Uh, we finally meet Tom's really beautiful wife, 
Mm. And everyone's like, wow, that's a beautiful wife you've got there, Tom. (laughs) And then Ron Swanson is on a date with his ex-wife, Tammy's sister, who also doesn't like her sister, Tammy. So those are the little C stories sprinkled in. But we see our whole cast come together at this rock show. It's It's a great concert. It's a great concert. Um, Andy has written a song called The Pit, and it's like, I fell in the pit. That's a perfect rendition. You're welcome. Um, it's a really... It's, did you like the episode? Before we, we reveal behind the curtain our interview with Katie Hill, because I had mixed feelings on this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, um, <laughs> I'm trying to... Be, what's the opposite of a negative Nancy? I'm a little positive Polly because <laughs> I... I did think I, I usually when I like enjoy an episode of TV, if I'm really vibing with it, as the mm-hmm. kids say, right? That's what the kids are saying. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. They're on the Tiki Talk and the <laughs> Twitch and they're vibing. They're a bunch of vibers. Um, for the new listeners, we're really <laughs> young and hip. And for the old <laughs> listeners, shh, don't tell them. <laughs> I, I fell in love with this episode when... When the D story, which is just Andy listing all the names of his bands, mm-hmm. um, his band singular names, plural. I think that was the moment where I like, because of that moment, I'll give the whole episode a ton of slack and just be like, this is my kind of TV show. I think what I've learned about myself is that one of my favorite things in a show like this is where the show gives itself a break to do a joke that feels like it came up organically in the writer's room. Like, it feels like mm. someone was just like, Wouldn't like it people be funny? just kept pitching names. Yeah. Where it's just like, let's, you know, it's, it's like a network TV show. We only have 22 minutes, but let's take one to two minutes to just list one dumb name after another. And I just, I just had um, so much fun. That's with a that. real positive poly review. Like I Thank said, you. all of season one, there's some real gems in the whole season that are little peeks into what the show will become. If I'm going to, I guess I should negative Nancy your positive Polly and, <laughs> the end of say, the end, yeah. and say, you know, I'm just so excited to get to season two because there was just a lot of plot this episode, <laughs> for lack of a better they, phrase. They're sort of like wrapping everything up. You, they're just you sort of wrapping them, everything yeah. up. You, you can feel they weren't sure what they would get if they would get a, a season two. If you're listening and they already knew, please slap me in the comments. Um, <laughs> it just felt like a lot of like yeah, yeah. Anne and Chris, or <laughs> Anne and Chris Pratt drama. <laughs> uh, Anne and Andy drama. Mark and Leslie drama. Mark and Anne drama. And just, you know, I think I enjoyed the B story the most, that awkward mm-hmm. date. But overall, it just felt like a lot of story <laughs> without it being f- as fun. That's a good That's a good point where I think we'll find, too, that Parks and Rec has, like, a thing for finales. And they actually get really good at them <laughs> as oh, the they show get goes on. so good at finales. I think that's part yeah. of it. You're like, oh, my gosh. I was like so excited to invite Katie Hill to the finale episode of season <laughs> one. And then I watched it and thought, this is just a lot of relationship drama. And the show gets so good at it. But again, it's my favorite show for mm-hmm. the new listeners. I basically know all the words to all the episodes. I love Parks and Rec so much. So when I'm a negative Nancy about an episode, it's still my favorite show. And yeah. it's been a treat podcasting about it. And I've loved doing season one. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I, negative <laughs> Nancy with a little bit positive Holly. No way it needs to be a P name. Positive Paula. Yeah. I I just wanted to come clean that I um I was jumping in and interrupting you a little bit early because I, I came up with a metaphor that was just burning a hole in my brain. Oh my which gosh. Was- I've interrupted you without metaphors. So let's <laughs> hit hit it hit us with the metaphor. So what I was gonna say, I was gonna say, what if instead of wrapping everything up for this episode, it was more like tying its shoes to run in to season two. Welcome, new listeners, to our brilliance. All right. <laughs> I think it's time. I think it's time to get to our special guest. Uh, we can't wait to hear what you think. We want to have more special guests, maybe some people connected to the show, dot, dot, dot. But also, we really want any guests that can give us insight into the episodes we're watching. You know, this podcast is a lot about us telling personal stories. So without further ado, ready to lift the curtain? Yeah, wait, we're going to bu- my hand- my hand on the on this little string which i think is just gonna lift up this velvet curtain right up yeah let's do it i got my hand on the other string one two Two, three three lift today we're excited to be talking with katie hill katie hill was elected to congress from california's 25th congressional district in 2018 as one of the youngest members of the historic freshman class that flipped the house She resigned from Congress in 2019 when a coordinated cyber attack by Republican political operatives and right-wing media outlets were launched against her. Now, Katie is using her platform to support young women running for office, advocate for legislation to address cyber exploitation, and transform our political system into one that ensures true equality through equal representation. Uh, To accomplish all this cool stuff, Katie runs a PAC called Her Time that works to support progressive candidates and just wrote a book that when this podcast is released will officially be out called She Will Rise. So we get to talk all about the book. Congrats. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on here. I'm excited. Thank you for being so down to talk about Parks and Recreation. Totally. (laughs) Uh, It's so fun. (laughs) I also just want to add, just reading that intro got me all riled up. I got all... (laughs) I was was listening to it, I was like, I wonder if I should update some of that. But it sounds like it's still relevant. (laughs) Yeah. If you have any notes, just let me know. I can (laughs) go ahead and add it. Now, for those listening who don't know, Katie Hill and I have met before because I went and canvassed for Katie Hill in Simi Valley right. a couple That's years right. ago, and we we met. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Where did you live? Where did what we were in Simi though, right? No, I drove up there. I have family friends actually who live in Simi Valley, but I live in West Hollywood area. And for big fans of our podcast, we've talked about canvassing, and I actually told a story about when I canvassed for you when I got up. Yes, because I got a little heated with a constituent. I believe Um, it. Simi Valley has uh, some interesting. Some interesting stuff. <laughs> yes. Uh, for the most part, I think I was a great canvasser for you. I was very professional, but I got a little heated with one guy uh, about over the dream uh, over dreamers. Oh, he was, yeah. he was against the dreamers. And I, I maybe. Be, yeah. How can you be against the dreamers? I don't understand. It's just I don't understand. But, it's, you know. It's- it's the but but by the time like I said by the time this podcast is released you will have your book out. Yeah. How does it feel to have finished this book and be publishing it especially during these terrible horrible pandemic times? You have such a huge accomplishment in the book. Yeah, well, it's exciting for sure. Um nerve-wracking. It was the whole process was really fast. So, you know, I resigned um in November 
you know, the end of October, beginning of November. Um, and then I was like, I don't have a job anymore. And it's not like you have any opportunity to save money while you're a member of Congress. You're paying for two residences, one in, in two of the most expensive areas in the country, in D.C. and Los Angeles. Um, and then I was about to have a whole bunch of lawyer fees for my divorce. And so um, I, I was like, I need some kind of a source of income very quickly. And um, and so, you know, what are your options at that point? And, you know, I could, I could, it, it, this is a lot of decisions to have to kind of make very quickly in a time when you're just like completely a mess anyway. But um, so, so I had, I had people kind of helping me and they're like, well, obviously you're a politician and you can now write a book. And I'm like, okay, fair. Um, so I, uh, I worked with an agent, came up with a, I, you know, I knew that if I wanted to write a book, this is kind of like the, the direction that I wanted it to go. I wanted it to be more than a memoir. I wanted it to be about like, what's the, what's the path that we can take to get to true equality. And I also knew that I was going to be starting her time and I wanted the two to connect to each other and kind of lay out the framework for what I thought would be, um, what I think will be the the ultimate solution for us getting to equality, which is electing women candidates and getting to, to parity in all of our representation. Um, and so, but to, but then I was like, okay, we've got this incredible moment of a hundred year anniversary of, um, of suffrage of the 19th amendment. And, um, I, I told the publishers when we were trying to sell the book, I want to publish it then. And some of them were like, that's way too fast. You can't do that. That's way too fast. And I'm like, that's like eight months from now, nine months from now, whole campaigns are running in that time. <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so one of them agreed to it and I, um, and so I had a super short turnaround to do it. Um, I was supposed to turn it in February, but then my brother passed away in January suddenly and my mom had brain surgery. And so, um, things were grossly delayed. Um, and I was able to pick back up in March. Um, they were able to extend the deadline till April 6th. So basically I wrote the whole thing in like three weeks. Um, wow. Very intensely, but, um, Would you recommend I, that to aspiring book writers? Maybe well, just honestly, take three weeks to knock it out? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I've, for my whole life, I've been one of those people that just does best under pressure. And, like, for college assignments, I was never one who could start it and just steadily work on it over the course of however long I was, I was the, the last minute crammer. And, you know, I didn't have a choice in this. I would have liked to have gone um, more kind of consistently, but this. I feel like, I feel like having nothing else. And it also coincided perfectly with quarantine where there was literally nothing else that I could be doing. So three weeks straight of being completely immersed, waking up, drinking a bunch of caffeine, doing it. And at some point in the day, switching to alcohol and just still doing the same thing. Like it was a, it was a pretty effective way for me to do it. So, you know, um, I'll for probably people taking notes. What no. time during the day would you switch? When, like, um, I would the say that that varied. That yeah. varied. <laughs> good, good, <laughs> depending good. on depending on the content, the sections of the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I time mean, time is really irrelevant, you know. <laughs> I think it's so important that it came out now, right as we approach the election, because your book has so much action in it. Why was it important to have all the action steps? In well, it? I think where you're able to, it can feel so just incredibly frustrating and um, like, too, sorry for the dog that's nearby. Um, it's, it, it can just feel like too much uh, when, when you're thinking about all the problems, if you don't have ways that you can get involved to try and fix them. Um, and the slog for fixing things is, is exactly that it's, it's hard work. You don't see immediate effects. And um, you know, even I think people who have been activated since Donald Trump became president 
uh, are are starting to feel like, okay, well, we've done a lot. We got people elected to Congress. We flipped the House. But, you know, still how much has really changed? And um, part of what I tried to point out in the book was that, okay, suff- the fight for suffrage took a really long time. And, and what would the women who helped us get there, what would they say about our our situation now would they say you've made enough progress in the last hundred years or that we haven't made enough and you know i don't feel like we can continue at the same pace that we have been for the next hundred years i feel like we drastically need to accelerate it and so um you know the purpose of the book is to, to say what what will it take to accelerate that and the answer is all of us all of us mm-hmm. have to be committed to it so um, I tried to give people answers for if they are having personal challenges, um, if they've been through these kinds of experiences, if they, this is me looking, glaring at the dog that I We're have dog friendly, <laughs> a dog friendly podcast. Just I just want, just dog. It's not even, it's not I just want the listeners to know too, that you just did a look and the look worked. Like there was a moment where the dog listened. So the whatever you're doing just, is working. The dog is just in your way. Oh my gosh. Um, but so the, uh, the, um, you know, it, it's like the, the different levels are okay. So if you're, if, if you're having these kinds of problems or you know someone who's having these kinds of challenges, whether it's abuse or sexual assault or, you know, um, inequity in the workplace, like here are resources for you. Um, but here is politically a way for you to get connected. Um, mm-hmm. here are other ways that you can volunteer or, or get involved in your local community. And, um, and the ultimate solution involves getting, uh, getting, you know, women elected to Congress and women elected to all kinds of legislative bodies. The dog just really agrees. For the listeners at home, the dog is just really inspired by the action of the book. I know. <laughs> Before we jump into the episode, there is a place that you're very active on that I've tried to be act like action focused on that I can't handle, uh, which is Twitter. <laughs> we're, we're, we're friends on Twitter. or yeah. That's not what it's called. Or whatever it is, yeah. Yeah, I always think like whenever I see you like a tweet, I'm like, oh, Katie Hill's my Twitter friend. Um, I think that's right. <laughs> what is the balance between, especially with your experience with the internet, how do you balance being active on there and and speaking up with just like taking care of your mental health? Because it's a balance even as a F-list reality contestant that speaks <laughs> about like gender issues. I don't know what the balance is. So for me, at least... I feel like you've just got to take it with a, with a certain amount of humor and know that like, like I try to, to enter, I don't know. I, I try to have about a, a, an equal balance of funny ones or at least an attempt at humor um, or self-deprecating ones and, you know, semi-serious ones. The truth is like the the serious ones don't get a lot of, <laughs> a lot of traction. People want the, people want the funny ones that probably for that exact same reason that it's just like, it's too, um, you know, the, it's, everything's too shitty otherwise. Um, it's, so yeah, I look at Twitter, I have to give myself enough time where I'm not paying attention to it at all. Um, it's usually, you know, I, I limit my, my time of scrolling when I start to, when I start to see that I'm in a bad mood, I'm like, I've probably been on there too much. Um, but you know, I, there's enough positive feedback to, to keep doing it and people seem to enjoy my, my posts. So I'll get, I'll keep doing it. Why not? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying I'm impressed because, you know, I try to make silly points about, I try to combine jokes with, uh, things I really believe. Yeah. And I, I can't, I go down rabbit holes with, <laughs> I, at one time this guy sent me hate 
And I ended up talking to his brother for 30 minutes and his brother was apologizing to me. And my parents were like, wow. what are you doing? That's interesting. I, I went down and, well, because his brother saw what happened and reached out to me. and was like, I'm so sorry for my brother. He's, he's a just, dick. <laughs> he is, it's basically what he said. He was like, he's a dick. He always wanted to be on Survivor, can't get on. Oh my so, gosh. That's so funny. It's so I, I see these women like you w- with much bigger audiences and much more. I, you get a lot of love, but you get a lot of shit. And I'm just like, uh-huh. how do these women deal with it? Because I end up talking to family members of my trolls. That's funny. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't respond to the comments. Usually that's a that's a thing. Um, the reason I look through the comments at all is because I'm trying to see if people are posting absolutely horrible stuff and then I block them. Um, you know, the, the images, the, you know, nudes that were, were shared, those show up all the time still. So I'm you know, happily looking for those and blocking those. Um, and, and, but then you also see like, you see enough ones that are, that are, there's the positive reinforcement too. Um, but yeah, I've, I try not to engage too much on the comments. <laughs> I haven't, I certainly I, don't try to argue with anybody. That's not, that's not it really. Was, <laughs> it was just something I personally was curious I think that's about. Right. No, uh, I, I think that that's a, that's a good exercise to go through. <laughs> Uh, let's, this is so fun that you, you watched season one, episode six of Parks and Rec for this podcast. I did. Uh, Well, I watched all of season one and, uh, for this, but plus, you know, plus more, but. (laughs) Do you have any over, sort of like overarching notes of like the first season? Well, I just. What are your first impressions? Yeah. So knowing, knowing local municipal kind of politics and, and Mm -hmm. so I, I, I was acquainted with that sphere before federal politics because you know you have to work on land use issues and on permitting and on um just these basic things that should not be that hard and the level of bureaucracy and 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 the extent to which the bureaucrats <laughs> like it rules their lives and um is is very well portrayed even though it's done in a in a you know satirical way like some of it hits a little too close to home um the, I think it was this episode. I can't remember if it was the one episode six or if it was the one um, I watched either before or after, but where uh, they, he was talking about the parking, the, I'm um, sorry, the, uh, the speed bump speed that he, bump. That was that this episode, yeah. and, and I was just like, that's, this is, it, it is a feat to accomplish something like that. And I remember in Santa Clarita, in my hometown, there was this whole battle over speed bumps that like is a real thing that happened Um, and that was like a massive issue in the town, you know, area, sorry, in the city council. And they blocked off this road for a while and you weren't allowed to take it if you weren't a resident. And it was just a whole thing. And the speed bumps are still just awful. But, you know, I don't know. It was, it was one of those reasons when people, you know, originally when I started running, people were like, well, why don't you want run for local office first or whatever? And I'm like, no, (laughs) that's just not, no, I don't want to, it's not, those aren't my issues. Mad respect, but speed bumps are not things that I want to work on. So, <laughs> did you run for any office in like in high school or elementary school? Like, were there uh, any like student council offices that you ran? I for? did not. I did not run for um, anything like that. Actually, surprisingly, <laughs> uh, if, you know if what, I, I did, do you think it might help my chances? And if, uh, if you went I mean, back and ran for, <laughs> yeah, in for, high school, I think I could really dominate. <laughs> yeah, you guys, this is yeah. touching too close for home. In fifth grade, Sorry, I ran for class rep and I failed. And I had wow. written, I had written a rap. I said, oh, I want to. Wow. I want to be your rep, rep, so listen to my rap. I'm good at taking notes, nice. so I hope to get your votes. And I lost. 
Oh, that's unfair. That's a that's a solid rap. <laughs> Thank you so much. I just want to point out that Will, you really, yeah. So you are you are an expert from a whole different lens into parks yeah. and rap. So we give yeah. Mark a lot of shit, but he should be proud for the speed bump being low. I think so. I think right? so. I mean, yeah. Someone says that. Uh, yeah. Uh, who's someone? Someone says no. That's a big deal. And <laughs> I think it's a random extra that says that. Do you have a character that you most relate to in Parks and Rec? Oh, that's hard. Parts of parts of several of them. Um, the the unfettered like optimism of um of what's her name the main character Leslie uh, no Leslie yeah, yeah. Uh, is is one that I occasionally I've felt that way before and I'm like people think I'm crazy for being this like we're gonna win and everything is gonna be great and da 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 and know that people have thought I was nuts for that but I also feel like to a certain extent you have to have that kind of mentality to to make it an elected office but um you know I I just yeah it, it's it's a it's a good show. It's a good show. <laughs> Do you have a favorite moment or thing about season one that you love, other than the accurate representation of uh, municipal government? Um, let's see. Um, well, I don't know. I was cracking up about the when 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 she when Leslie like kind of turned into accidentally looking like a lesbian at the uh, at the party or whatever it was the award for her mom. Yes, yeah. the Tellinson Awards. She has yeah. that like hairdo. Yeah, <laughs> when she went into the barbershop. Like that whole thing was just cracking me up, and how the um, the other girl was like her her side piece, <laughs> inadvertently, and that she was just completely lacking any self awareness of the entire thing. Um, so yeah, that was a that was a funny one. With that moment in mind, for on this watch for me, it was the first time that I just got. I was so touched by like the older gentleman in the bow tie who was just like there for it. He's like, he's, he's like, like it's okay, you can fight too. Yeah, it's like he's been closeted his entire life. He like, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, and then this misunderstanding just brings him hope. And, and then it moves into the penguins, which I think. Is oh bigger. yes, it's, yeah. It's, that's only an episode after this one where yeah. she accidentally marries two male penguins. Oh yeah, I love that one too. <laughs> and she becomes like a hero of the gay rights in her yep. town. Yeah, but. But totally by accident. It doesn't mean to, yeah. <laughs> that feels like yeah. a Joe Biden moment of like announcing For sure. that we're yep. in favor of, yep. of gay marriage before. And Obama's like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, no, Leslie, I think it's been fun for us to go back and watch a show with such an optimist, like optimistic protagonist in mm. these times specifically. Yeah. Yep, totally. um, we're just like, is there something you're optimistically looking forward to right now in the midst of everything? Yeah, I mean, the more of these elections that are happening, especially at the congressional level and and even further down the ballot, the the more I'm looking forward to this, you know, the the wave of people that are that are slowly taking up more and more of the seats at the table. Um and I think that it's a change in generation, it's a change in perspectives, it's um it, it, it's a change in policy, it's a much more progressive just generally speaking wave. And I think that what I, what I'm optimistic about is that it's going to sustain, um, that I think that the American public is changing along with this representation. And, um, and so, you know, I think as long as we're able to continue that and ensure that people's voices are heard and that, um, that, you know, they continue to be motivated to show up and be involved in elections and in politics in general, then, um, then I don't think we're going to go backwards. So, uh, but I think that that's going to be the real trick, especially as we're looking at, you know, 2022, um, 
we really, we have to, we have to pass HR one, which is one of the things I talk about in my book um, to ensure that we get rid of gerrymandering and that we restore the voting rights act and that we get big money out of politics because Otherwise, these changes that we're seeing and who's representing us are going to be temporary. You know, the the GOP is going to take the first opportunity they get to try to um, to try to revert these kinds of changes, which is exactly what we saw in my own district. Right. They 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 used they used what happened to me to suppress turnout. And it was a first all male election, all M.A.I.L. I.L. (laughs) I.L. election. Um, uh, And. You know, it's, it, it's, mine was, I was one of the people in this, this, this class of, this last class of 2018 that flipped a Republican district by the high, I was one of the highest percentages that it flipped by. And it still shows you how, how vulnerable it is. Um, but, you know, so it's going to take ongoing engagement and, um, effort, but I, I do have a tremendous amount of hope for the next generation of leaders that are, that are coming to power. For Gen Z trolling Trump at his inauguration or rally day. And then him getting mad and trying to ban uh, TikTok. TikTok. Yeah, I know. I know. I don't like TikTok personally. I think it's like whenever I'm around somebody who's who's scrolling through it, I'm like, this is literally breaking your brain. I can see it. I can see how the like fast noises and the, and the flipping, it's just like, it is not good for you if you, if you have ADD or anything. For those listening, most of them know, uh, was on Survivor. And while I did not lose the show because I was a woman, I did at the very end go up against two guys. And there was just something. And it's much, you know, in a much sillier thing than anything you've experienced. But I did experience this double standard of how the jury perceived me and talked to me. And I got to the airport and this is, people don't believe this, but it's true. My dad picked me up at the airport and I walked up to him. This was during the election. Um, Trump had just won the primary. And I I walked up to my dad and I said, I think Hillary Clinton's going to lose the election. Really? It was because on this like, gut level everything i did was like wishy-washy or flip-floppy mm-hmm, or all these mm-hmm. things and uh the guy i was working with uh you know he literally got told at this final tribal thing you know um a lot of your plans failed but you seem like you're constantly thinking and like coming up with oh, ideas and i just remember thinking what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Because he's a smart dude and i just and and even some of the way some of the people would talk to me out there I don't know. I just like, I felt like, and I was surrounded by an all mostly male crew. Of course. And I, um, there was like one female, um, I think like two female producers, but it was the first time I, I like really, I don't, I mean, I had felt that double standard, but really felt it. And so reading your book, um, yeah, it just brought back a lot of those feelings of that Mm -hmm. double standard and, I, 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 yeah, there's less of a question there and more just like your book really hit. Yeah. Um, and it, it just made me angry. And that's why I was thankful for the release of action. Um, <laughs> good. Yeah. Yeah. Just so many parts. I mean, even like going back into grade school, um, mm-hmm. my history teacher docked my grade in because he said I raised my hand too much. Wow. Really? Yeah, this was eighth grade, my history teacher. And when you spoke about it in the book, you know, being too assertive. Yeah. And then after that, I, sh- I shut up the whole next quarter and I got an A. Oh so, my God. So yeah, sit down, be quiet. Yeah. It, so I just, there's so many things in your book that I was just like, oh, this is so, 
even if someone hasn't had the experience you had on the public stage, it's just so relatable. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, you know, like I, I think I, was, I said in, in part of it that people, you know, all of us girls are, are used to basically the guys who just can't handle that we did better on a test or that we, um, you know, are, there's just a million different situations. Right. And, um, and I think that that dual standard you experienced in, in survivor is the same that we see in women running for politics where, you know, she's, if she's, if she's assertive and stands strong about something, then she's bitchy. If she's, um, if she's not, if she, you know, tries to kind of walk a line of some kind, then she's wishy-washy or she's, you know, indecisive and not, not, not assertive enough. You know what I mean? Like there's just, there's just, no win for so many of these things. And, and that is 100% ingrained sexism and ingrained misogy- misogyny. And those are what we have to be fighting against. And we're watching a show in which a woman runs for office eventually. Mm-hmm. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert for Parks and Rec. <laughs> if you haven't gotten there, your her time pack, mm-hmm. you're going to encourage women to run for office. Because I mean, I read your book and you were like, most women don't even think about it. I've never considered running for office. I did. Yeah. The thought wouldn't even cross my mind. Uh, and then it's like, you know, I, he's great and I'm sure he's, you know, but I remember Beto O'Rourke on the cover of the thing saying, oh, I've been dreaming of ready for president since oh, I was my, a kid. Yes, I know. I can't relate to that. I know me either. And, and yeah, that's, that's the exact same thing that, that so many, this, they've done this, they did this study and I would love someone to repeat it because I think the late, the most recent data was from like early 2000s, but it was of members of Congress and it was that it was basically, you know, a, a long form survey, um, of why, why did you, why did you run or why are you, why are you serving as a member of Congress? And of men, it was overwhelmingly, the reason was I've always wanted to be a politician or something like that, something to the effect. I mean, it was, it was really an egocentric kind of answer. Um, the women, it was like, I, I want to help my community. I want to make things better. And it's, it's just that alone is such a striking difference um, that women you know, come to run for office because they see a gap or they see that, you know, they, they finally think maybe I can do this better than someone else. But the, the guys often have this just kind of entitlement or the same, you know, this unfettered belief that they, that the, the country and the world deserve to have them as, I, as president. And, you know, I think that that's, that's part of what needs to change is that's why they can kind of just like, step aside for a little bit. Well, you, you talk about working with and being friends with the squad, which uh-huh. is, has become sort of like a, a, a cultural staple almost. You talk yeah. about Alex, AOC. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, do you have any like stories of what that was like, just like being surrounded by this cool squad of empowered women? Well, it's funny because we all started off as, as freshmen and, and they started to get lumped together before they even really knew each other. I mean, it's not That's like insane. they were, yeah. Yeah. They, you know, they, I think especially because, and, and then I, I was this weird, um, kind of hybrid because I, I was the representative of the freshman class. Um, and, but I, I was also, you know, a red to blue member, a frontline member, meaning that I, I flipped a seat. So it's one of the more conservative seats. And, um, but I was, I'm really one of only two frontline members who are very progressive. Um, and, you know, I, so I ended up, being outspoken about a lot of the same things and like aligning with the squad on a whole bunch of things and being kind of a, you know, an, I don't know, a, a half member maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, but that was, that was really unusual for someone who's coming from one of these more conservative seats. And I think that what was the, 
one of the things that's unfortunate and, and I saw all of them be at least somewhat upset about, and they've kind of tried to push back about even that squad label is that mm-hmm. it's, it, it's creating them as an other. And the fact that yeah. they're all women of color, they're all, you know, outspoken They're um, I think that it's, it is a, there's, there's an attempt to vilify them through mm-hmm. that nature. And um, so, you know, it, I, I thought it was very striking that no, no white woman was considered part of the squad, even though, you know, policy-wise, not a lot was different. That's so interesting. The negative side of, oh, here's a group of women that we see as different, so we're going to lump them together. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I think that, in in my mind, that also really connects to, like, Hannah, you know, pointing out just the powerful nature of that freshman class and of the squad. And then, Katie, you pointing out that that part of that categorization is also is like a fear response. Mm-hmm. Like misogyny is a fearful yeah. response of power yeah. and of what would happen if power is taken away. Totally. Um, and I think it's uh, part of my response in reading your book too, was just, you know, grappling with and being reminded again, that toxic masculinity and the patriarchy is bad for men. It's bad for everyone. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it isn't, it isn't just like toxic for people who are around it. Yeah. Like the one good thing is maybe that, not, I mean, good in quotation marks. Yeah. <laughs> I could, you know, that, oh, I, I have power, right? Right, right. But it's, it's a power that is corrupting and is poisoning totally. and is making life worse and life on the planet worse. Like, it, it has these just huge consequences. For um, sure. Yeah, no, I I'm, think, I, I, I hope that, I mean, because I really write it. I really write the book towards mm-hmm. women, right? But I hope, and I think a lot of guys are going to read it, and I just hope that they're not totally put off to, to the extent that they stop reading it. So my dad and Will both read it and we're not Good. put off. So if you're a guy Great. listening, please pick it up. Uh, Do you have all the blurbs yeah. you need? Because I can, if you need oh, okay. a quick blurb, okay. yeah. I'll, <laughs> some just guy no, from Arkansas. Yeah. Just, just, just quote, quote tweet it and, and, uh, you know, personally vouch for it would be great. Yeah, yeah. On it, on it. He's going to just say, I'm a guy and I approve. Yeah, perfect. A man endorses this. And you have a podcast coming out too. Yes. Yes, I do. Um, I actually haven't even said the name of it, but I think the name is going to, you can, you can say it because I think the name is coming out soon. Um, it's going to be called Naked Politics with Katie Hill because I'm just leaning Yeah, take in. that power back. Yep, I love yep. it. <laughs> so um, I recorded the first episode but um, what we're thinking we'll launch it right around August 26th, um, which is technically ratification day um, or women's equality day. I don't know. They've all got so many different titles, but the 26th is when it was actually the 19th amendment was actually like signed and fully put in place. Um, so that'll be, that'll be exciting. What, what is, can you tell us anything about, I mean, yeah. obviously what you're going to talk about, where you want the focus to be? Yeah. So it's going to be, it's going to be primarily like an interview series and it's, um, it's focused on, you know, the dirty side of politics. What are the things like it's, it's kind of exposing the truth, right? Exposing, uh, the stuff that otherwise people don't talk about and don't know about. And so the first conversation I had, and I don't know if this will end up being the first episode or if I'll use a different one. Um, but it was with Bill, Bill Burton, who was Obama's press secretary. Um, he also, for, for the reelection time, he left his official role at the White House and he, along with a couple of other people, founded the, this is right after the C- Citizens United decision. So he founded the very first super PAC, um, that was the, on the Democratic side. So it was a super PAC formed to, um, to support Obama. 
because it's like, well, now we're up against all this Republican outside money mm-hmm. and we've got to find a way of competing. But, you know, you're playing, it's, it's like you got to get in the mud too, right? And so that, that dynamic of something um, that is kind of inherently or, or in, intuitively gross for us, but we have to kind of get comfortable with as, as um, you know, to try, to try and compete with the other side. Um, it was just a really interesting conversation. We talked about consult because now he's on the consulting side and how consultants take advantage of, especially first time candidates will often put them into massive amounts of debt. Um, because for all the people who run, there are a lot of people who don't win. And right. you as a candidate personally are responsible for that money. If you know, whatever, whatever amount of debt you, you take on as a candidate, you, you're the one who has to pay that back. And, um, once you've lost, it's pretty much impossible to raise money for it. So that makes sense of why wealthy people like you talk about in your book are the ones running. Yep. And there's a lot of risk around it. And, um, you know, you can't, it, you, um, so many of us can't afford to just stop working to run a campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just, it's prohibitive just from the very beginning. Will, uh, well, sorry. Were you going to say, why am I apologizing on my own podcast (laughs) for speaking? How dare you? How dare I? There's so much internalized stuff you talk about in your book. I I have to like train myself not to apologize as much as I do. The apologizing is a, is a real thing. And I used to, it's something I I even still do. But when I was um, mentoring younger women uh, in the workplace, whether it was my staff on the congressional side or, on the, especially, I would say even more so on the nonprofit side, um, you know, they would j- just all the time you'd hear, I'm sorry. And you're like, what are you sorry for? What did you, what did you do? And I'd like interrupt people <laughs> to try and kind of break that habit. Um, because it's, it's just so, it's so taught to, ta- people taught have, to us. People have run into me, like bumped into me and I've apologized. I apologized <laughs> to a poll once. I, I've done the same thing. <laughs> I walked into like a telephone poll and said, sorry. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I think so there should be, should be so like an, an app or some kind of plugin for emails that uh-huh. like highlights the amount of apologies that I put in. Oh. So I find that I have to do like a second pass where I'm like, it's like it'll be like, hi, Katie. Sorry. I just wanted to let you <laughs> like go in and dig it out. So um, I, I was curious. It seems like um, one of the things that I also really loved about the book was the number of fictional stories that you talk about. And that's what, obviously what we're talking about right now. But you talk yeah. about, you know, Xenon, the warrior uh-huh. princess. Uh-huh. And was it Song of the Lioness? Uh-huh. Yep. Is that yep. What it, yeah. I, my friend... I had like a huge fantasy kick and, nice. and uh, I was going to say high school, then I was going to change it to elementary school, but it was for all of it. All of it um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I loved that. And I think thinking about that in terms of as another form of representation, that's really yeah. important of like what stories I find for myself that I, I am always sort of modeling my life off of the stories that are swirling around me, whether that's in the news or that I'm consuming. Um, it's true. Yeah, so one I'm, of the things I, I mentioned in there is, yeah. is that, you know, I wonder how much of these kind of strong fictional characters that we have and that I looked up to and that so many girls look up to is because there's just, there hasn't been enough. And even the ones that do exist, there's been such a, such a concerted effort to vilify those women that like, they're not held up as heroes, right? Like J- hmm. JFK, if you could hold up a million guys if someone wants to say, you know, I, I just remember like as kids, you know, you're always asked, who's your hero? Who do you look up to? Da, 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 da. They've mm-hmm. got, they've got basketball players and football players and, you know, they're whatever mask. I mean, there's just a million guys that you can look president. I don't know. 
whoever, Washington, like any of them, right? I and love then, how you were, there's so many male presidents that you were trying <laughs> to like, <laughs> any of them. <laughs> but, um, but you don't have that same thing as a girl. Um, and you don't learn about them too. I learned so much history that I didn't learn in school from yep. your book. I really? was like, oh, I was like, mom, how did we not study this? They really just don't teach you that. They stuff. really don't. There's like, yeah. there's like a box at the end of each chapter in the history book. That's like, yep. there was a woman there, but we don't really learn. I'm happy yep. to write this, the aunt Susie pilot with you as a, as yes, a television writer. <laughs> That's so true, though. That's, yeah. why, that's why we have Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Leslie Nope, Xena the yep. Warrior Princess. Yep. yep. And uh, and so, you know, eventually I hope that the, the real life women characters, the ones that, you know, girls can be looking up to now, are not going to be so vilified that, like, they get made fun of for looking up to Hillary Clinton, right? Or so, AOC's speech yeah. recently on the floor. I mean, it was amazing, uh, yeah. I just... So her- that, that woman has just such raw political talent just immediately that you can you're just like yep she's she's gonna she's gonna do it whatever it is that she's she wants to do she's gonna do it so. well if you're listening i say we would also love to watch the parts <laughs> <Rank episode with you. laughs> i was gonna ask for a fortune cookie i don't know what i was asking i think i was <laughs> you, know, you know when you start talking and you think you're gonna find it and then you don't well here's <laughs> Here's a, a fortune cookie thing that popped up. I was looking through pictures on my phone mm-hmm. and my brother had actually sent me this one. Um, and it was, if, if this is a fortune cookie and it said, if we're all worms, be a glow worm. That's maybe a dream job of mine is to just figure out how to get into that fortune cookie factory and yeah, yeah. make some people's uh, days. Yeah. I just wish, I wish life was a little more like Parks and Rec where Leslie Nope got to keep going, but like the Mark Brandanowitzes fade away and are never mentioned again. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, th- thoughts on Mark Brandanowitz. Yes. Please, he in this episode that we watched, he straight up hit on Anne and then gaslit her. She kept saying, "I'm your. Do you think I'm attractive?" Oh, and then gaslit her. Wait, okay. So remind me which one's okay. which one's Anne. So Anne is the nurse friend who's dating okay, the musician, okay, okay, uh-huh, and uh-huh. Mark, the guy who his one redeeming quality, he got yep. the speed bump lowered. Yep. But in this episode, he goes and hits on Anne while she still has a boyfriend. She <laughs> yep, calls yep, yep. him out. She calls him out for it. And then goes, like, no, I'm not hitting you. Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts on Mark Brandanowitz. We've talked a lot about him this season. I just think he's so transparent. And, um, you know, I, I, it's funny that you say that about gaslighting. That, that didn't even occur to me. Cause I'm just like, Oh, he's just so obviously full of shit. But, um, but, uh, I don't know. I think, yeah, he's not a, he's not a very great character. I, I didn't like how he was with Leslie either. You know what I mean? No. Like, just, he, tries to I kiss just, her. Tries to kiss her, but also like that they had this old, when she said we made love five years ago, I was like, uh, okay, so there's some issues here, but um, that I, I'm not fully up to speed on. <laughs> thank but, you um, for... Thank, yeah. thank you for mentioning gaslighting in your book. Do you know how many women I've had to teach the term gaslighting? Oh, totally. And then I watch their face go, oh. Yeah, yeah. Even me, when I when I learned about it in the first place, I was like, oh my God, you really you really believe that you're crazy. And then I think about um, the yellow wallpaper. Uh, you remember Oof. that story? Um, um yeah. Yeah. Oh, I am such a bad person with names this is embarrassing but um charlotte charlotte somebody anyway um yeah that it's just like that was the first the first one that i thought of that i'd read when i was younger and was like a total feminist short story and um 
I, I just didn't realize then that like, that's, that's exactly what gaslighting is. And, um, you're, you know, women, I think over the course of, of time for so long have been kind of forced to believe that we're crazy about stuff for everything from pain, from, you know, to the way that we're feeling about things, to the way that we perceive things. And it makes you really doubt yourself. You know, I, I have uh, endometriosis and it takes, it takes most women 10 years to get diagnosed with endometriosis because so much of it is just, even from OBGYNs is pushed off as like, Oh, it's just a bad period. You're maybe just being dramatic and you know, stuff like that. So I feel um, like all those, all those studies about male birth control where they're like, well, there were side effects that it, it was kind of oh uncomfortable. So God. it just doesn't seem worth it. <laughs> You're like, just. do you have any idea? <laughs> Oh, just such a low bar. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's like it's like I hate to say it, but you know, men who get sick with a cold, you're just like you're so dramatic. But you know, I shouldn't. I guess I should not. I should try to not engage in that. <laughs> the the fact that your book is coming out in like the context of these insane. I don't even. I, I mean, we're all quarantined during a pandemic, I and I feel like your book is that encourages people to vote and run uh, and believe women. It just became even more important if that's possible. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. And, um, you know, my, my, I definitely wanted it to come out before the election because I want people to, you know, be thinking about this stuff. Um, you know, one of, one of the goals of her time is, we, you know, we want to support candidates, um, support young women especially, but we also are trying to mobilize young women. And um, part of that is trying to find out different ways of mobilizing them through text campaigns and digital campaigns. Um, but through the book too, I, I like, I, I want people to really be thinking about this as like a long-term feminist agenda. What's it going to take? And, you know, we saw, we saw the most women ever run for president and just systematically be cut down for not being electable. So how do we, how do we get, what could, what could Elizabeth Warren have done? She's a grandma who bakes cookies, but also destroyed, yeah. but destroyed Bloomberg in an opening yep. statement. She's yep. the toughest, but the sweetest. <laughs> she has a dog. Everyone said, if you just ran earlier, the fact no. that she couldn't be in the primary, she wasn't a candidate. Just the, what, what more did you want from her? I'm sorry. Really I, no. And then, and then you hear like, and this is even, it's coming from women. And I think we, as women, we've, we've got to watch ourselves because we are just as guilty about this yes. as men is to just be like, well, I just don't like her. She just kind of bugs me. Like, I don't like her voice. And, you know, you just, you just, that's the kind of thing when you're, when you're, when you don't have a real reason, your brain goes to these real, these sexist things, because that's the, that's all that's, that it truly boils down to. Yeah. You're, you're talking your book about internalized uh, misogyny mm -hmm. that we put on ourselves mm -hmm. and other women. When you were talking about during your own uh, campaign, yeah. your eyebrows being criticized and, yeah, and no, everything. Kind of Listen, my <laughs> eyebrows are huge and have always been huge. I'm Listen. club thin. I'm club thin. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the blonde eyebrows. <laughs> if, I, if I ever ran for office, I could already imagine the cartoons of me. Um, oh, God. Uh, but yeah, I was like, I have had actual cartoons drawn of me, so that just brought up. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I was like, uh, some of them were cute. Some of them not so much. <laughs> I don't know. You can't listen. If you can have bad cartoons, add in my aunt, great aunt Betty's nose. I have no chance yeah. in this world. <laughs> um, yeah, no. The internalized misogyny, though, is 
yeah. Uh, and then, just, yeah, apologizing then, constantly. Uh, you, you, you talked about n- noses. I had a, like, a conspiracy theory about me. Um, okay. And, I, I, again, I although I, I guess this this might have happened with a guy. I can't imagine it ever happening with a guy, but I, there was a conspiracy theory about me that I, that I had had a, a nose job and I was actually Jewish, but I was denying my Jewish heritage by having this nose job and changing my last name. And I'm like, where do you even come up with this? Like, what, I think this is, I think this is anti-Semitic, but I'm it's not even really. I, I can clarify. Definitely anti-Semitic. <laughs> the, the, the conspiracy like- theory that says maybe a Jew is definitely anti-Semitic. <laughs> I'll just clear that up now. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, it's good. I'm glad we accomplished something on this podcast. We cleared it all up. Definitely anti-Semitic. Yeah. The person that wrote the conspiracy theory, I'm sure you're listening to Pawnee Public Radio. You should know that what you said was anti-Semitic. Uh, um, I was like, I was like, well, I guess. I mean, like, I don't mind if I'm Jewish, but like, I just don't understand <laughs> why would I? Why would I hide it? My my nose is still big. It's not like it's. <laughs> Someone went through a lot of work. Yeah. 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 There's something oh no, no, some, no. just something about your story of like taking accountability for where we can like grow and be better and like be self-aware of mistakes we've made. I thought a lot about that in the current times of like the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm, and thinking about mm-hmm. how can we make sure this uh, fourth or fifth wave feminist movement is inclusive to yeah. women of color, trans women, yep. um, you know, and so it's not just, you know, because I mean, you talk about taking accountability, obviously, across the board in your story, but I'm curious what your thoughts are about making this movement as inclusive as possible. And what yeah. what's our responsibility as white women? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a that's a really important question. And it's one that I, I kept going back to in the book of trying to figure out like, okay, what do I need to add here to make it more inclusive? Or like, what kind of caveats do I need to add here? And then I had to finally, I finally made the decision. I was like, well, listen, I am a white woman. And I've been through these experiences the way that I have. And I, I'm not, I'm not going to to try to pretend like I've I've experienced it another way. Um, but what I can try and do and what we're trying to do through her time, et cetera, is to uplift women who haven't necessarily had that opportunity. And um, and so, you know, as as everything has happened the way that it has over the last year, uh, or even since we started her time in the beginning of this year, um, you know, we started off with just federal races, just endorsing federal races, congressional candidates and incumbents and um and then it became clear that to have real diversity on our slate of candidates, we were going to have to go low. We were going to have to go lower down the ballot. We were going to have to endorse in statewide races and in state legislatures and even in some local races because there are just not nearly enough uh, enough women of color who are who are running and and competing at the at the congressional level. And that's you know that's a real tragedy. Um, you know, I've had people who say uh, like okay, you say elect women because they're women or vote for women because they're women. Well, what about like a man of color versus a white woman? And it's like, okay, that's fair. But, but the question we should be asking is like, why isn't there a woman of color? Why is it, why is it just a man of color? And um, the truth is there's, we've seen studies that have shown even from the 2018 cycle that black women have a, the hardest time raising money out of any type of candidate and that that does not hold true for black men. So it's just a really interesting kind of, um, you know, question with all of this is like, there's still, we, with, we still have all of these issues, right? We've got discrimination across the board with everything, but even within that, like women have it, I would argue women have it the worst of, you know, uh, of any kind of marginalized community. Um, 
you know, they may not be the ones who, like it's, it's obvious when you're talking about people getting shot by police, but women still have these inequalities and, and are still bearing the brunt of, for example, poverty uh, among women of color or black women. And so I just, I had, yeah, I was just so curious because I'm like, in, in reading your book, I felt so angry and empowered. And I also thought, well, what are my blind spots? Mm-hmm. And I continue to try to think of that, about that moving that forward. Of, that kind of questioning and that kind of self-awareness is, I think, exactly our, our calling, our duty. Um, and looking at the way that we've looked at things historically and said, well, what's wrong about that? Um, but I don't, you know, I don't know that any of us has fully figured out the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, it's kind of, I think it's our job to keep trying. I'm excited for this tie-in between Parks and Rec and your experience and what you're doing. Uh, nice. I think, you know, like Will said, like you talk so much about fictional characters in your book. I think it's fitting that you're coming on our podcast and you've talked about an inspiring fictional show. Yeah, especially no, as a yeah, as a TV writer, I think it. I think comedy and fiction and, totally. and we're gonna, we're gonna work on that show we're gonna work on that screenplay yes it's historical before i come work for her time should we <laughs> begin the pilot is this when we're deciding we should, we to- yeah we should absolutely begin the pilot um okay I'm, you know what i mean into into you know that whole world i haven't even started thinking about hollywood stuff yet so <laughs> listen we'll create a google doc really in all, in all honesty thank you for having me and and it means a lot that you say that you that that canvassing was still meaningful and um you know even in, in spite of the way that everything turned out that you don't feel like it was a waste of time so no i definitely don't i feel like you know i've canvassed a bunch in my life but coming out and seeing that energy and being told that the district wasn't gonna flip mm-hmm. even up to i mean will's less probably less familiar with the election but up to like the last minute people were like yeah. oh well, sh- he's behind and yeah. then it and then it happened and we yeah. went you know, that feeling of collective action and yeah. going door to door and believing uh, that, yeah, you can do it. You know, you get yeah. your little app on your phone. And yeah. listen, I only pissed off one of your constituents, to be <laughs> That's clear. A good that was just one person and you won. So I didn't lose you that election. <laughs> really fine, really fine. No, no, we won, we won, I mean, we won the general election by almost nine points. It's a big deal. So, um, so that guy, if you're listening to Pawnee Public Radio, it didn't matter, man. Yeah, um, no. I'm glad you guys are doing this podcast. Um, I'll, I'll be happy to come on again. You'll, in, you know, we'll work on, we'll work on this pilot. Curtain down. <laughs> End of <great>. interview. <laughs> she was so generous with her time and even said that she might want to come back. Uh, I hope she does come back when we have Leslie potentially running for office. I say potentially yeah. to not spoil anything. And you've got to write that pilot. Yes. Right? Stay tuned for the Susan B. Anthony pilot. Very by excited. Katie Hill and Hannah Shapiro. <laughs> we're very, we were just so thankful she spent so much time with us and we are curious to hear what you thought of the interview. Please let us know. At Radio Pawnee. That's our Twitter to let us know. Speaking about people who have let us Opinions. know what they think. Should we go should to, we get town to the town hall? For the new listeners, uh, we really want this to feel like we're watching TV with friends. And because of it, like on Parks and Rec, there's a town hall element. And so mm-hmm. on this podcast, we have a town hall element where people can send in voicemails on our speak pipe. Speak pipe dot com slash Pawnee Public Radio. They can tweet at us at Radio Pawnee. Email us townhall at PawneePublicRadio.com 
Or the best way, if you leave a five-star review, we have to read your message on air. That's at Pawnee Public Radio on iTunes, Spotify, all those good things. Um, So yeah, we love our town hall. For the old listeners, you know this. You guys are the experts. We love you. Uh, (laughs) So let's get into some voicemails. Our first one is from Matt. What's up, Hannah and Will? This is Matt from Colorado, or as Hannah might say, Mark from Colorado. Um, Just started listening to episode five. There's a British version of this show? What the fuck? I didn't know that. Please talk about that more. Thank you. Bye-bye. I want to say real quickly. Mark sounds great. Mark (laughs) is so great. And Mark is definitely not my friend who I didn't recognize last time for some reason Mm -hmm. and then accidentally called a wrong name. Mark, thank you so much for asking us. Yeah, there's a British (laughs) version of Parks and Recreation called Slides and Swings. Mm -hmm. Will and I maybe... Yeah, we didn't really know much about it until we started doing this podcast and did some like extensive research, you know, some dramaturgical work. It's a shorter season. There's some different plot points. At some Mm -hmm. point, Will, maybe we should do a little bit of side podcasting about Slides and Swings. Yeah, I I think it's really really it's really it has like a super the one one thing i'm a little worried about is the fan base is like really intense like the slides like slides and swingers are pretty pretty hardcore so i'm i'm excited to talk about it but we just need to make sure we're doing it about in the right way so that we can both be safe i think slides and swings they shout at you careful (laughs) i know i know oh gosh but the leslie nope of slides and swings she is she's a feisty redhead yeah. Yeah. They really her change season the hair two, colors. <laughs> they really change your hair color. And her season two development is Ugh. bonker. I mean, they take her down. A dark turn. Yeah. That dark turn in season two. I mean, when we get to season two of Parks and Rec, we'll talk a little bit about Slides and Swings, Leslie Nope, and the dark turn she takes. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I got goosebumps. I can't go into it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear our next voicemail from MJ. Good morning, Will, and good morning, Hannah. Uh, This is MJ, and I am from, well, actually, I used to be from right around the area that that settler turned into a dream catcher, but I do digress. Um, I was wondering, since Leslie Nope is very similar to Jeff Probst, she loves a good metaphor and analogy. She actually referred to the Townsend Awards as the Oscars times the Grammys plus the Super Bowl. So, Hannah, I was wondering if you could tell us what the final tribal council of Survivor is like in the realm of big events going on. I would love to know your thoughts. Also, before I skedaddle out of here, I quickly just wanted to point out that Leslie's mom won the award on my birthday on May 8th. How fun is that? Um, Thanks for letting me join the town hall here. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Uh, Thank you, MJ. Thank you. Happy belated birthday. Um, <laughs> I love when a show puts in Easter eggs, like my own birthday into the show. <laughs> that's that's a fun little treat. <laughs> uh, final Tribal would be like the Tellinson Awards meets Tom's- I think it's a math problem. I think it's like <laughs> divided by, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so uh, Final Tribal is... Yeah. The Tellinson Awards divided by Tom's slightly problematic behavior mm-hmm. times Mark's bleness. Wait, hold plus on. Sorry. I'm trying to solve. Leslie's <laughs> enthusiasm all over X. Whoa. X being 
the characters that are going to appear in season two that we haven't met yet. Yeah. Thank you, MJ, for calling in. <laughs> that was a good. That was a great question. That Very was a good clever. metaphor. Good question. Thank you so much. Uh, the next one we have is anonymous, but not the guy anonymous. Just yeah, like not it's the an guy anonymous fox guy. mask. A very what I'm imagining will be a very very sweet dear listener. Hi, Hannah and Will. This is Amy Sondheim in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. I wanted to hear your thoughts about the way the setting in Leslie's office sort of designs the narrative. So what I'm thinking is, if you look at her her office, hers is an office inside an office, inside an office, inside a building. And what I mean by that is on the last episode, The Banquet, when she's dictating or trying to dictate her speech to Tom, we see her with windows inside the Parks and Rec office, but she can look through her window into the window of Ron Swanson's office, and over Tom's shoulder, we can look through the window and see also the intern there. I just find that so interesting. What do you all make of that? Just riff on that, if you would. Thanks. I love your mom so much. That's. That's Dr. Amy Sondheim. She's a PhD in English literature and she knows her stuff. <laughs> and I, your mom is so sweet. Sorry, Dr. Amy Sondheim is so sweet. No, it's, yeah, people can I love that she's asked us to riff great. on it. So we have to make sure this is a riff heavy answer. Riff. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're right, mom. I think the like sort of Russian doll feeling of all these nested offices feels kind of like a hive it feels kind of like uh an ensemble yeah and i think the whole show is about sort of humanizing these very like menial jobs of local government and i think there's i wonder if there is something in the just the design where it's like this is she's as deep as you can get you know there's sort of this feeling where she's buried she has to like go through three doors yeah i also think um something about the design of her office dr amy sondheim in addition to the the sort of Russian doll element, is mm-hmm. she has all these women she admires framed around her office, yeah. and I think that that set design of her office is sort of a peek into what will come and where her character is going, uh, because she has all these powerful women, and the story ultimately is about her growing into being a powerful woman. Um, so yeah, I'm excited now to take even more note of the set design. Thank you for calling in. The next call is from Connor Young. I've heard of him. Hey, Hannah and Will. This is Connor Young calling from Norman, Oklahoma. For this episode, I wanted to discuss Andy's character arc throughout the first season. He starts out the season kind of being a jerk, making Anne do everything for him. However, slowly we see Andy change a little bit and finally decide to clean up the whole house in the middle of the season, making Anne's day. However, this episode, he kind of reverts back to his old ways by not taking off the cast when he could have and making Anne continue to take care of him. Based on this episode and not future seasons, how do you think this character arc is going to go? Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Thanks for calling in, Connor Young, one of our three Connors that calls in. We can't have a week without a Connor calling in. I'm really worried about that week coming, and I'm going to just be sad. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I, I have faith. I believe that there are more Connors out there, even if we haven't met them yet. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Hannah? Uh, well, I like that you put this on me. This is a very impossible question to answer because, <laughs> and I think that's why Will immediately was like, what do you think? You've asked us to guess what his arc is going to be without talking about future seasons. <laughs> It's like if I've I've read Harry Potter. If you were like, do you think Harry's going to live to the end of the series? That what are you want me to say? Uh, yeah, I know what Andy's arc is going to be. I'm not going to pretend to guess. I, think- no- <laughs> I mean, okay. To be fair, yeah, like Andy has shown growth this season, and I think his separation from Anne will be ultimately good for his character. Maybe. I, I also Who knows? Connor- do I know every line to this series? Yeah, but what do I know? <laughs> well, Connor was also sort of asking about like the little backslide at the end, which I do think is an it's like an interesting structural thing where it's mm. like we see Andy trying to be better, and then the last moment we have with him is him totally failing, right? And I I think some of that some of that's just like good storytelling like it sets him up for growth in the future season so i think that's a really intentional See, thing Connor, i hope you keep calling in because i'll <laughs> knock it down for your question and will will bring you back up with a great answer but i think i'm yeah. making fun of myself connor i've we've loved having you call in all season you've been great if it's not clear yeah no it is an interesting reverse but i think that's mm. what's great about parks and rec is they let their characters grow and then they let their flaws trip them up again yeah. Anytime I've tried to improve myself, I've had little Andy episodes, you know, where I where shortly after I do some big good thing, I tend to kind of fall flat on my flat on my face. Uh-huh. And I think I think some of it is is also Andy will learn how to how to make lasting change. Cause I think you need you need a real kind of love for that, you know. Mm. I like how you're like, you need a real kind of love. That's just my prediction, though. We have no way of knowing. Uh, Connor, thanks for calling in this time and all season. Our next voicemail is also from Anonymous, but not the mass person. I mean, people could, you know, they could be a member of a Guy Fox cult. Hey, Han and Will. Uh, I think today would be a great time to have an intelligent, a congressperson from California as your first guest. Um, maybe this same guest will run for the U.S. Senate in 2022 if Hannah doesn't run. I've seen some of her uh, posters. <laughs> the dog had, uh, a lot of dogs in this episode. <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. I spoiled the guest to my mom. <laughs> This is the big reveal of that. She knew Katie Hill was coming, so she knew to send in this voicemail. Um, For those who haven't noticed, I am running for Senate in 2022. You can watch my, you can see my fan made uh, Hannah for Senate posters on my Twitter at Hannah Lil Nesson. I believe my slogan is, I will pose with your baby. Uh, In 2022, (laughs) I will be exactly old enough to run for Senate. Is there a lady never tells th- her age unless she's running for office. What? There's an age cutoff for Senate? I had no idea. Yeah, you have to be 30 to run for Senate. Whoa. Well, good luck. Congress is younger. It's, I believe, 25. So you and I can both run for Congress. I mean, <laughs> I can. I'm 19. <laughs> um, yeah, please support my campaign. Hannah for Senate 2022. Wahoo. Not hashtag, wahoo. In the- hashtag I will pose with your baby. Hashtag I will pose with your baby. 
Uh, thank you, Mom, for calling in. I love you. The next one is from Anonymous. Hey, Hannah and Will. I'm just wondering, Rich Hill doesn't seem to be pitching for the Dodgers this year. What happened to him? Well, I, I can take this one. Um, it's my dad. <laughs> He's been trying to change this into a sports podcast. Yeah, take it, Will. You said you can take it. Take it. Yeah, um, I think he he probably has baseball elbow. You know, I bet he just has a bad case of baseball elbow, so he probably has to go to the baseball doctor just to get it looked at. Is this the hill you want to die on, Will? <laughs> Our next voicemail is also from Anonymous. Anna? Yeah. Was that a dog? <laughs> that was a dog. Do you know this dog? Maybe. Whose dog is this? No. Okay. Oh, well, can I take this one? First yeah, of all. Yeah, please do. I, I don't totally appreciate your tone, pup. Secondly, you also make a lot of good points, and I think that's pretty fair. And you sound cute as a button. So is this all because is we referred to Andy all season as like a dog at heart? <laughs> the dogs <laughs> our, were, were mad about it. All of our non-human listeners are really, <laughs> really taking it hard. <laughs> dogs are colorblind, but they do love podcasts. Uh, those were the voicemails this week. We're going to jump right into emails. Now, we teased this email last time, but mm. it is from Benjamin Benson. And it's entitled Episode 6, Rock Show. And the first line says, What the heck is going on? Ron dancing and ask who wants to watch him climb a tree? What? Leslie is on a, in quotes, date with a guy from Eagleton? Or even meeting with anyone from Eagleton? What? That's... Sounds just like Benjamin, I know. Just like Benjamin, and also, that's how you send an email, you know? Truly, truly, we love it. Truly a lost art and a great email. Thank you so much, Benjamin. Thank you, Benjamin. Thank you. Have we, have we, do you think we've answered that question over the course of this episode? Definitely not. Um, we did not address the fact that Ron wants everyone to watch him climb a tree. I think they're, they, the writers are still figuring Ron out. <laughs> I do think that is, that's something that I, as a writer, very much identify with is most of my scenes will end with someone, <laughs> you know, asking you to go on an adventure with them. Would you like to come to a potluck? Would you like, should we go swimming in the lake? You know, I think it's it's always good to like know what the next plan is. Um, yeah, I love though that they're like, who is Ron? Like in a later season, Ron would be like, I'm going home. Nobody, I don't like, nobody asked me any personal questions where yeah. my home is. But this time they're like, maybe Ron's a guy that's like, who wants to watch me climb a tree? That could be Ron. Yeah. It doesn't turn out to be who Ron is, but I like season one. Ron is a little wild. For just a moment, he was just giant boy Ron. Just a big yeah. boy. Yeah. Also, yeah, the Eagleton thing hasn't been um, fully developed yet. Um, I feel like that guy probably moved to Eagleton, though. He doesn't strike me as a real Eagletonian. You're you know? right. Maybe That's her mom was like, me it. with this guy. But yeah, he moved. Thank you so much, Benjamin, for emailing in. Our next email is from Jess Sterling, who we spoke to on a Rob as a Podcast live 
uh, stream for patrons. Uh, and she says, hey, Hannah and Will, it was great chatting with you. It we had really, chatted with her. It was it great really chatting was. with you. Yeah. Some people she just had, say that, but it was. No, it was truly it was a so pleasure. to chat with you, Jess. <laughs> Jess is getting married. So happy marriage, Jess. Um uh, attached, you will find a PDF of my Parks and Rec episode ranking season four through season four, episode 13. Incredible. Uh, I'm starting a rewatch so that I can update it for you guys. I know you're only through season one, episode five, uh, now episode six. She ranked these um, canvassing the banquet, boys club, the reporter, and last, the uh, the pilot of the, sh- the um, Parks and Rec show. Mm-hmm. I'm going to catch up and leave you a voicemail for Rock Show. Oh, she didn't do that, but that's okay, Jess. Don't feel bad, People which is definitely the best People episode busy, of yeah. season one. Oh, she liked this the best. Will and I might not agree. She said, thanks. Uh, P.S. Oh, she's attached some other shows as well. That's the P.S. Um, now, I want to take her email and say, instead of ranking all of the shows, let's just say, do you have a favorite episode from season one? Hers was this. This would not have been my favorite. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite episode season one, Will? This is a good question. I think, I mean, I mentioned Boys Club. I think Boys Club is where I got a little taste of what the heart of the show is. And mm. it also led to to one of one of my favorite conversations with you so far um, mm. of talking about real world stuff. So right now, off the top of my dome, as the kids say, do the kids say the top of my dome too? Um, yeah, I'm going to go boys club. What about you? Oh, gosh, this is so hard because I think what I've realized in season one is that every episode, I love some elements and then like mm. strongly hate others. Like I love... In Boys Club, how Ron and Leslie are finally paired together. I love in The Reporter some of just uh, Amy Poehler's comedic bits that Mm. she does. For some reason, right in this moment, I'm thinking fondly back on the episode Canvassing because I really enjoyed Leslie versus the citizens of Pawnee for the first time. Yeah. Uh, And then you have the beautiful last line of, hey, Parks Lady, like, screw you and she goes he called me parks lady and that also was sort of the Mm. heart of the show um and it was sort of it was leslie succeeding at her job as well even even while she's up against everything which is she sort of filibusters this meeting so i i don't know right now i'm just like remembering with rose colored glasses which probably means it wasn't (laughs) as good as i'm remembering um canvassing yeah, I, I usually get so stressed out by putting things in any sort of rank or order. Yes, um, Jeff Sterling does it though with ease. Yeah, and she sort of reminded me that you can also just pick, and then you can change your mind when you rewatch it again because TV is for fun. <laughs> Our next email is from Michelle. Hi, I'm Michelle, but you can call me Connor. Big swings <laughs> and slides fan here, and the American version is really good as well. I think. Uh, what the one guy, David, was saying about see you next Tuesday is it's something people call people to mean the C word. Anyway, great podcast. I love to learn a little bit more about sports each week. I also have an opinion on Mark and why everyone loves him. Oh, good. That's um, the oh, good is from me, not from her uh, <laughs> responding to herself. At least in my experience, coolness at work is pretty much based on relativity. And there's always one guy who who is usually pretty mediocre and not necessarily good looking, but just more good looking and likable than the other guy in the office. And that guy always becomes the cool guy, even though in any other setting, he's probably nothing special. 
Lastly, I am surprised that Clint Eastwood is still alive, as well as Jimmy Carter. <laughs> and here's my what if. Gosh, Michelle, you're doing great. You're, you're really hitting all the nails. That's, again, me speaking. And here's my what if. What if um, Janine Restrepo became a re- reoccurring character? Would she take someone else's place? Would she be the Jerry? Who's love? Who would be her love interest? Who would her love interest be? Thanks, Michelle S., in parentheses, Connor. This is a great email. There's so much to pick apart here. I think we should just let the inside references and jokes be that and answer mm-hmm. her what if. Now, Janine Restrepo was from the banquet, and she was just the zoning board member that Leslie had to impress. Seduce with kindness. Yes. Uh, all right. Uh, why don't you answer the first part and I'll answer the second part. Uh, what, what, what would it be if she became a reoccurring character and would she take someone's place? I'll, I'll answer the love interest. I think Janine would have a real like Jan Levinson Gould. Mm, no great. Gould, Jan Levinson art. Yes. You know, we're like very straight sort of like she is actually, she feels more like she's in our world, very tightly wound. Mm. Um. But I think we're already seeing the beginning of her, like, maybe her life is about to implode. Her husband just got a DUI. Things aren't going great for her. Um, so I think she would come in and, and would initially be, like, a threat. And mm-hmm. would be like, she's going to, like, oh, no more parks. Uh, this is a pit town now. Every park used to be is a pit. I'm Janine Restrepo. But by the end, I think she would, um, she would maybe break up Jerry's marriage. That's such a good answer. I also think she would be like every other woman this sh- on in this show, wildly into Mark Brandanowitz for no reason or not for no reason. Michelle gave us lots of reasons. I actually think that's a really good point, Michelle. Yeah. I think <clears throat> I think there is that thing of like wherever you are, the hierarchy just sort of gets established with groupthink and everyone's <laughs> just like, "Well, Mark's the cool guy." Mm. Um I really I thought that. coming into this podcast with Hannah that I could be the cool guy, but office he politics. Oh, uh, what? Congratulations. Between the two of us and our high school backstories, you're slightly cooler. <laughs> um, okay. Our next email is from Anne Melcher. And for those who wish Will was reading it, we're going to find the password for Will so he can get into the email as well. I didn't insist on reading 10 minutes of emails. I just... And because I knew how to log into the email, you get to hear my voice a lot. (laughs) Uh, This next email is from Annie Melcher to Hannah and Will. I am low key, except obviously high key. So sad. My original email did not go through. Oh, this one is called Season 1, Episode 4, Jagweed Part 2. When we read it Mm, last time, it was just the title. And now I've created an, an, an expectation that will certainly lead to disappointment. But I write on. I love her bravery. Yeah, Again, that's, really, that's me commentating, not no, that's her. That's what the show's about. I had noticed that Andy calls his neighbor a jagweed, and it reminded me that a one Liz Lemon frequently uses the insult on 30 Rock, and Tina Fey uses it on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and Mona Lisa Saperstein ends up using it multiple times, but most notab- notably when jagweeds didn't tell her that Diddy was on Instagram. But I also think it was used on another Mike Schur creation, The Good Place? Question mark. And now I'm going to... Go down a rabbit hole and so far cannot cite any sources for the use of Jagweed in The Good Place or Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but it just feels like it's been used on both of those shows and that Michael Schur or someone on his team 
like David Miner, who produced 30 Rock and Parks and Rec and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, really likes using the term. And I am inexplicably invested now, as are we, Annie. I will update you on any more findings of the word jackweed. Resist the urge to refresh your email every few minutes because this might take me a while. She has sourced links. This is big. Uh, the first link is from 30 Rock of Liz Lemon being like, you jagweeds to the writer's room. The second link is uh, Mona Lisa Saperstein from Parks and Rec saying jagweeds. The third link is unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and the use of jagweed. This email is well-researched. Her final line is, you are both awesome and bring lots of joy to my dishwashing slash kitchen cleaning experience from Annie. Wow. First of all, we thought people were listening in their car or about to make out, but we didn't think about cleaning no. their kitchen our target, as an option. Our, like, yeah, our target demographic research was way off. All of our... Annie, this is amazing. <laughs> You research so much. Yeah, this is an academic paper. I mean, you should try to keep working on it, but you should get this published. I think it's in really good shape. Um, Brilliant. My one um, thought, and, and mm -hmm. I look forward to refreshing in once I have the, the email password um, yeah. that Hannah mentioned. I My only addition is, I think, two syllables. That's a great cuss. Ja-wa. That's a great combo. Jag. We get the G sound. It just feels it's plosive. It's fun. It's a little violent, but it's not scary. It's a good cuss. It's not actually a swear. I'm excited to learn more. <laughs> uh, we will continue refreshing this email as you send us more. Well, I will, and then Will will when he gets the password. All right, this last email. Thank you, Annie, so much. And thank you. We, can't, we hope you've cleaned all your dishes while we answered your question. Or not a question, while we just exclaimed our excitement. Our last email is from Todd Aries. Hi, Hannah and Will. I discovered you through RHAP and never thought I could laugh so hard at a Brant steal. Everyone should go check out our Brant steal. We did with Parks and Rec characters. Literally, my two favorite shows are Parks and Rec and Survivor, respectively. What a fun nerd out that was. Only complaint is that you left Mona Lisa Saperstein off the mm. contestant roster. She was my favorite Saperstein sibling. They tr <laughs> we tried to cast her, but she just went crazy at Ponderosa and started, you know, attacking the producers. It was just a lot. She had to be yeah. cut. Um, full disclosure. really fast. <laughs> what? So bamboo burns really fast. She got out of control. I don't know if bamboo burns fast. Does it not, Hannah? Does bamboo burn fast? It, so fast. Um, okay. okay. Full, full, you, full disclosure. I've gone to 10 Survivor finales over the last six years. The only one I missed, Millennial versus Gen X, which is the one I was at, even the dreadful pre-tape 39 finale, Ugh. However, I did meet you at the after party for HHH, I think, but it was at the Fall Bar in Hollywood. Due to the open bar, I believe I scared the bejesus out of you. <laughs> oh, gosh, this is, we're bringing up a memory here. Okay. And another weird thing, since I now lived in Denver, I shared the sauna with your fellow runner-up, Ken, at 24-Hour Fitness. I thought you were going to say for a sec, you shared the sauna with me, and this was just going to be a bunch of times we've met. Okay. I sound like a full-on creep scouts honor i'm not this is i'm glad they i'm the one reading it the only one with the email password um yeah. and i'm reading this email and slowly discovering what this is you guys are doing an amazing job uh i actually get excited when a 
when I commute on Tuesdays, see, someone's in their car to listen to your podcast. I would like to know who you would rank as your favorite peripheral characters, because I totally identify as a Parks and Rec nerd, too. Here's mine based on level of hilarity, not redeeming values. This is from Todd. One, Joan Calamezzo. Two, Mm. Tammy Two. Three, Jennifer Barkley. Four, Brandy Max. Five, Bobby Newport. Six, Mona Lisa Saberstein. Seven, Perd Happily. Just wanted to participate. Loved you on Survivor, Hannah. Will, you are a great co-host, and your friendship friendship (laughs) really transcends the airways. Thanks for the laugh, Wesley. Oh, he signed it, Wesley, but his email is from Todd. So we don't know if you're named Wesley or Todd. Uh, I'm sure it was nice to meet you. Those finale parties are overwhelming. I just end up with so much, like, I have end up having so much fun, but it's also just like a lot of social anxiety. So if I'm ever mm-hmm. awkward with fans at parties, that's why. Um, because we haven't met a lot of these peripheral, peripheral characters, instead of ranking them, Will, do you want to just, what if we each list a character we're excited to meet in season two? I I can't wait. A peripheral character. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited about uh Andy Samberg Animal Control. Mm. So peripheral. I forgot his character's name. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a great choice though. Um uh, I am excited to meet Oh my gosh, um the diplomats from Venezuela played by um Fred Armisen, uh, right? Fred, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. I love Fred Armisen, and his uh, diplomat character is really fun. Uh, so there you go. Uh, I, I I hope you enjoyed your sauna time with Ken, and next time we meet, hopefully when the world is safer, uh, we'll get another chance to say hello, uh, and you can tell me if your name is Wesley or Todd. Uh, those are the emails. Oh, wait. Let me just make sure that these are all the emails. Yes. Uh, Thank you so much to everyone who emailed in. This podcast is fun because we get to talk to all of you all every week. Uh, we're going to do a couple uh, tweets. And if we miss your tweet, we'll do it next time and then uh, read the little reviews. So, all right. Um, let us get some tweets. Um, Bethany Gillum tweeted at us and said, do we all just assume it's Tammy Two's sister or is it just me? Ooh. I'm going to say yes because of age. I feel like she kind of... Li- also, I don't think Ron would have the balls to go out with Tammy one sister. Yeah. Yeah. I'll double up. That's two votes for Tammy too. Good Three tweet. votes. Three? Because oh, she right, thought right, right. so. Yeah. It's, wow, it's a super majority. It's overwhelming. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to bounce around. She also said, also have to love Anne giving Mark the business for flirting with her. He weirdly goes up to her and goes like, Hey, like, like hits on her, but then when she calls him out, it's mm. like gaslights her and is like, I'm not hitting on you. Unless you um, want me to. And then I'm hitting on you. Um, Don Fuller said, uh, the one and only hype man, Will, who is the most definitely finding his voice and the greatest hype woman, Hannah. Your podcast is coming together nicely. Again, absolutely love the theme song. Any chance of a longer version of it? The theme song. I would love to release an album. If you like the theme song, you should check out Patrick Buddy. Uh, he's a musician, Chicago bass. He's got a label preserve records. He makes all sort if you're like, I love this little bit of music, but I want more. Patrick makes a lot more. And I highly recommend listening to him. And uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for yes. the compliment. Also, 
Um, Dan Sineski. So we got Dan and we got Dawn. Uh, is, this is uh, Radio Punny. At Radio Punny is the best Parks and Rec podcast because Hannah and Will have the best co-host chemistry. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> uh, my voice is slowly going away, so I'm going to get as, through as many tweets as I can before my voice goes away. Um, <laughs> how, how long will that take? <laughs> uh, we may have to save some of these for uh, the next episode because I think my voice has another couple minutes in it. Um, that Know yourself. Hannah, is it okay with you if I read some of our very, very sweet five-star reviews? Yeah, let's let's each read one. So you choose one, and then I'll do the other one. All right. This one is uh, from Kenobi610, which is probably about Obi-Wan Kenobi and his height, which is, in canon, six feet, ten inches. Uh, titled, well, five stars, of course. Titled, Better Than Whipped Cream on Your Waffle. If you enjoy Eat Chili from a Frisbee, Need your sugar and spaghetti fix? Or just miss little Sebastian? This is the podcast for you. Han and Will are a joy to listen to and have me going back and rewatching one of my all-time favorite shows. Thanks, you two. Looking forward to many more episodes of Pawnee Fun. P.S. Absolutely love the theme song. People are loving the theme song. I get it. Yes. I'm going to actually let you read the next one, too, because my voice is slowly going away and I have the only email password. So go for the second <laughs> one as well. We'll get through all of these, just so you know. We're just going through them. Yeah, and also, thank you, Kenobi, 6190. Yeah. And I'll share the email password with our listeners so we can all enjoy the Great, emails. We can all read the emails next time. Uh, five stars. The monkeyest Joe. Okay, Joe. It's a pretty high. <laughs> it's a pretty big, pretty big claim there. Uh, this podcast is as good as the VP pick. Kamala Harris is like Leslie Nope. She isn't perfect, but she fights for the people first and foremost. This podcast is much the same. A national treasure worth celebrating. Wow. We got put in some rarefied air there. <laughs> Thank you so much for writing in, the monkeyest Joe. Um, please, the five-star reviews are the best way to bump our podcast up. So if you are a new listener, give us five stars and let us know what you think. And we will read it on air. If you're an old listener, thanks for staying with us. I just, I don't mean to say, now the new listeners, you are officially mm -hmm. a part of it. New and old are coming together. <laughs> You are now just our yeah. listeners. It's the circle of life. You're a listener the now. The circle of life. Uh, that's end. not how that tune goes. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, this is, we have gotten through season one. We hope you will join us for season two. We're still learning and yeah. growing just like the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just like something that might begin to grow in the pit in season two. Um, who knows um, congrats Will on making it through a whole season of podcasting what a long season it's been yeah I think we are now green belts so that's bit we can we can take off these white belts and change to green belts now and it's kind of exciting good job Please, Hannah then good <laughs> job Will please follow us good job listener yeah <laughs> way to make it uh, through <laughs> way to make it through with us while you've been driving, while you've been cleaning your kitchen, while you've been about to kiss someone you love. Mm. You've been listening to us. Um, if you want to talk to us, we're at Radio Pawnee. My personal Twitter is at Hannah Lil Nesson, Instagram as well. And Will's is at Will Sonheim. Our email 
is townhall at pawneepublicradio.com. And again, if you look up our podcast, Pawnee Public Radio, leave us five stars and we'll hear what you think. Uh, how do we want to, you know, season one of Parson Rack mm-hmm. wrapped up by Mark falling into the pit. Yeah. What pit do you want to fall into right now to wrap this up? Uh, oh, we got we to gotta hashtag it too. For those listeners, since new and older one, we, mm-hmm. uh, we like to have a hashtag so that you can tweet at us and send us the hashtag so we know you listened. What should the hashtag be? How about hashtag tackle shaft? That's just one of Andy's band names that, that we didn't mention. <laughs> had this. Uh, hashtag vetoed. Uh, she does have that whoa. power. We each get one veto per episode. We each get how about, one veto. How about veto. hashtag two doors down? Hashtag three skin? Hashtag teddy bear suicide. How about a that we talked about? I feel like we should... Should we just hashtag the password to our email account? <laughs> hashtag password. Hashtag password. Done. No, I'm let's hashtag... My- <laughs> no, no. Let's ha- I actually have a real, a real hashtag suggestion. Katie Hill just came out with her book, uh, She Will Rise. Yeah. Let's hashtag it. She Will Rise. Um, so that we can... Sp- we can promote Katie Hill's book and our podcast. So hashtag she will rise. And then if you want to hashtag tackle shaft as well, you can unvetoed. But please include hashtag she will rise. We both read Katie Hill's book. We loved it. Thanks again for uh, coming on, Katie. And so yeah, hashtag she will rise. Hashtag tackle shaft. Not related. <laughs> um, and so maybe now, also hashtag not related in there too. Just to, yeah, hashtag just not related. These hashtags we're going to be overwhelming hashtags on this one. Yeah, you won't be able what to say anything else. What pit do you want to jump in together to end this season one? Mm, I have a, a door in my apartment that I'm not sure where it goes, so I could just maybe I'll walk through that one. All right, we're going to both walk through doors in our respective uh, houses. That is the end. We are jumping in together into the pit. And then we are climbing out and getting to the beautiful season two. And we are so excited to see you there. We hope you continue to town hall, continue to listen, continue to subscribe, continue to make fan art. We're talking about just like two pieces of fan art, but we really liked it. No, it's all aspirational continuing. And yeah, we'll see you. See you next season. See you there. Bye. Bye.